and welcome back to Grace Talks, a Christian's women's podcast that studies the Bible, the women in it, and applies it to our lives today. For this Bible study, I decided to commemorate Mother's Day with an episode about a special mother of the Bible found in 1 Samuel chapters 1 and into the beginning of 2. The story of Hannah involves comparison, which I've talked about recently in a couple different episodes, jealousy, accusations, infertility struggles, grief, and answered prayers. So let's get into it. The book of 1 Samuel takes place during a transitioning political environment in the nation of Israel. So the two prior books of the Bible are the book of Judges and then it's the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is just a few chapters and we covered her story in September of 2020, so a while ago, but you can go back and you can check that out if you want. But the book of Judges tells a repetitive history of the tribes of Israel, which was forgetting God, being influenced by the surrounding nations, rebelling against God in sin, God removing his protection over his rebellious children, them getting conquered and oppressed, and then God raising up a judge to lead the people in peace for so many years, and then just starting that cycle again and again, and you guessed it again. Each time the people rebelled, the Bible tells us that they were getting worse and essentially more comfortable in evil practices and being around sinful lifestyles and being a part of sinful lifestyles. After 12 judges and seven recorded instances of that cycle of rebellion, Judges 17.6 tells us that in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Now, here is the biblical tea. Israel had God, different from any of the other nations at that time, so they weren't supposed to have a need for a king. They were supposed to listen to the laws that God put into place through Moses, follow the spiritual authority structure gave them, through Moses and the priests and their leaders and be a prosperous nation under God's blessings and authority. But the people were stubborn and easily influenced by the pagan nations that surrounded them. For Samuel covers this political transformation as the people of Israel demand God and his prophet Samuel to give them a human king. And this would lead us into King Saul, who was followed by King David, who is the man after God's heart and is in the lineage of Jesus Christ, who is our Messiah and our Savior. So who the heck is Samuel? Because it's his book and he ends up drawing people back to God and anointing the first human kings of Israel and being a prophet in the days that hearing from God wasn't that common of a thing. And it's not because God was distant from his people, but because his people were distant from him. Well, to know about Samuel, we need to know about his origin. And that starts with a devout and disgraced woman named Hannah. So if you want, you can open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1, and we're going to just read the first couple of verses. There was a certain man from Ramathiam, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. So stopping already to clarify the important names and context here, a guy named Elkanah had two wives, one who had children and one who was infertile. On top of infertility struggles being extremely sad, frustrating, and painful, back then, a woman who didn't have any children was considered disgraced. There was like a piece of honor missing from her. 
like God was withholding a blessing or blessings from her. So when you're looking at Penina and Hannah, Penina would have been seen as blessed and Hannah would have been looked down on society as less than. Continuing on in verses three through eight, it says year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? So here is where we see play out the culture context that I mentioned. Penina looked down on Hannah. She was prideful and arrogant over their differences there. But a lot of her bitterness was likely because she was jealous of Hannah. Because the Bible states that Elkanah loved Hannah, but it doesn't say the same of Penina. And that reminds me of the jealousy played out between the sisters Leah and Rachel in the days of Jacob and the prideful resentment of the slave girl Hagar to Sarai back in the days of Abraham. It's amazing or terrible, really, how women are often the sources of pain for other women. Satan does a spectacular job of using insecurity, comparison, envy, and loneliness to instigate conflict in our lives. James 3 verses 14 through 16 says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. When you experience jealousy, don't boast about it. That one kind of seems more obvious, but also don't lie and pretend like you aren't feeling it either. It's our job to look into our hearts and evaluate our behavior. Don't ever let what you have or what you don't have influence how you treat others. Don't meditate on bitterness. In chapter 16 of this book of the Bible, we're told that God looks not on the outside, but at the heart. If you don't want the poison of envy spilling into your actions, you need to yank that out by the roots in your heart and replace that space with love, however unnatural it feels for the situation. Now back to the consequences of Penina's bitterness in verses 9 through 11. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Where do you go when you're feeling beaten down and broken? Because you have options. You can run to a substance like alcohol, food, drugs, You could run to your favorite source of dopamine, like shopping, sex, gambling, if that's your thing, social media. And I mean, maybe it's a healthy habit, like taking a walk outside, exercising, journaling, or something like that. 
The main problem with running to any of these things as a first resort when you're hurting is that none of these options are solutions to your problems. And while some of them are excellent at distracting you from your feelings for a little while, when you exit the activity, nothing's changed in your life or in your heart posture. So you're going to be right back where you started, hurting and looking for something to stop the hurt. Hannah, in her deep anguish, went straight to God. There's pieces of Psalm 40 that I want to read that says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. And Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Hannah didn't have anything in her power that could change the scenario. But she had a God she knew heard her, could hear her. She had faith that her God had the power to do the impossible. Continuing this in verses 12 through 18, it says, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought that she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. So as poor Hannah is pouring out her heart in prayer after being bullied by Penina, then she's accused of being drunk by the high priest. Does it ever feel like you just can't get out of embarrassment, bouncing from one disappointment to the next? Hannah could have finally snapped right here. She could have finally turned it to bitterness or anger, or at least, I don't know, sarcasm, right? Out of everyone who should have been able to tell that she was communing with the Lord in prayer, it should have been Eli. But Hannah responds with, respect to Eli's position of authority as high priest and assures him that she's not wicked, but simply praying desperately. And Eli's response is then to bless her for what she was praying for. Hannah then accepts this blessing and with joy, she leaves. She goes and she eats when before she was too consumed by grief to eat, her face is no longer downcast. Hannah believed in the power of her God before she ever even saw proof of what she asked for. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What do you believe in? Where does your faith lie? Because if it's not with the God who does the impossible, what confidence do you have in what you hope for? What assurance do you have for the things that you do not see and you cannot grab a hold of? First Samuel chapter one continues in verses 19 through 28. And it says, Early in the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. 
When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Hannah's devotion and her faith were rewarded. The Lord remembered her and honored her vow to him. With great pride, she returned to Eli just a couple of years later to fulfill her end of the vow. And two things here. First, I think that it would have been easy to be tempted to go back on my vow once God fulfilled his end of the bargain. Hannah desired a child for years. She finally has her son, and now she's supposed to give him up. It's really easy to make a promise. It's a lot harder to keep one in your actions. Ecclesiastes 5, verses 2 through 7 says, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven, and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin and do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. Had Hannah made her vow, but then not followed through with it, who knows what would have happened? She may have brought curses down on her family. Maybe not. We don't know. But what I do know is that Samuel would not have been brought up, set apart for God, which means that someone else would have had the honor in the Bible of turning people's hearts back to God. Someone else would have had the honor of anointing and advising kings, which brings me to the second thing that I want to point out. Hannah made the decision as a mother that is the most important decision any mother makes. She dedicated her child to the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Isaiah 54, 13 says, All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Parents are a child's foundation. Ask yourself this logic question. What makes a better foundation? An imperfect parent's teachings or a perfect God's teachings? Hannah blessed her child's relationship with God before he was ever born because she was humble and willing to place God first before herself. And I want to end this episode by reading the beginning of chapter two called Hannah's Prayer. It's verses one through 11 it says, then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord and the Lord, my horn is lifted high, horn of strength. 
My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, and those who stumble are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down the grave and he raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundation of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. That's everything that I have for today. Don't forget to wish the women in your life a happy Mother's Day. And I hope to see you next time. As usual, if you have any questions about today's episode, the Bible or anything else, I'd be happy to answer as best as I can. If you haven't heard it today, God loves you. I love you. You are important. You have worth and you have a purpose. I'm signing off. Bye.